Hey everyone, welcome to B2B Made Simple. I'm Sam Moss, the CEO and co-founder of OneClick Agency. On this show, I interview marketing experts from fast-growing B2B SaaS companies. We feature podcast episodes I'm a guest on, and sometimes we throw in a consulting call I've done with another company. Our goal with this show is to equip you and give you the tools you need to be the best marketer you can be. Hey everybody, welcome back to B2B Made Simple. Returning for round two, I have Adam Runner, um, the director of marketing at My Sidewalk. And you know, Adam, one of the notes that I forgot to put down was what podcast episode you were on previously. So I guess people have to go back and look because I can't remember the number. It was like 115 or something, maybe somewhere in there. (laughs) Yeah, just go back about a year. Yeah, there you go. Um, But I appreciate you being here, man. This is awesome. Yeah, it's great. Happy to be back. I'm excited, ready to chat. Awesome, man. Um, you know, you. so for those of you listening, we do like a prep call with our guests just to like kind of brainstorm on what we should talk about. And Adam brought up that this is like the reunion tour or maybe you posted about it on LinkedIn or something. Yeah. I thought that was the coolest name for this. So now I'm like telling all the guests that we're having back. I mean, we're not having everybody back, but we're having a select handful of people. I'm like, hey, this is the reunion tour. This is what we're calling it. It's actually stuck. So you're the one that, that started that. It's pretty cool. I'll take my bonus check whenever you're ready. <laughs> I'll send it your way, man. <laughs> awesome. Um, so first question for you is if you had to choose between a movie night where you binged a few movies, or if you had to choose between sitting down and watching your favorite TV show, what do you think, which direction do you think you would go? This is an easy question for me. I'm going to go with a movie. Really? Yeah. The movies have an end. <laughs> And like, I, I can only sit in front of a screen for so long, man. So like, uh, you know, give me one, two movies and I know it's going to be done at some point and I can go like, I can make it through that. The idea of sitting through a, a show and just, you never know when it's going to end gives me anxiety. I can't, I can't do that. And then when it, it quote ends for a season, it really doesn't. For example, my wife and I, so the blacklist is coming out on TV at the end of October here. And we were trying to get through like the Netflix uh, season eight of it. Right. And it ended so abruptly. And we're just like, wow, that, that kind of left us hanging a lot. That sucks that we have to wait three weeks until this thing comes out now. Yeah. <laughs> so I get, yeah. I get the pain there for sure. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, like that's the other thing is like, wh- when was the last time you remember having a shared viewing experience around a show? Very few have done it in, in modern times with streaming technology too. Right. Mm-hmm. I feel like squid game, maybe everybody's talking about squid game right now definitely game of thrones when mm-hmm. game of thrones was happening everybody watched it on sunday but sure. you know that whole like syndicated content piece is very different now mm-hmm. and when you choose to watch stuff so it's an interesting case study in and of itself that is true that could be a podcast in itself <laughs> <laughs> well awesome man um so i i've mentioned this on the podcast before but when we have people back on for round two um we're looking for like, what are the things that you guys are doing now that are working? And this is something you and I chatted about in our prep call. Um, and you guys recently, well, it wasn't really recently, but you have been working on your website to tell the story instead of optimizing for conversions. And you guys have had some really good success with this. And we're going to dive into it as a topic. Um, so to open it up for you, I guess my first question would be, why do you think customers land on a website? And I see this all the time. And they still ask, well, what do you guys do? Um, and is why do marketers struggle to articulate their message simply and clearly, especially in the SaaS world? Yeah, I mean, 
it's really, really easy to make those logical jumps, I think. And it's like the more technical, the more niche, the more complicated what you do is, the easier it is to assume that your audience is working with the same uh, you know, base of knowledge that you have. And I think that that's something that plagues a lot of B2B marketing companies, particularly in SaaS. You know, you spend so much time internally talking about those things with engineers, with the CEO, with your, with your own marketing team that some of that language becomes boring mm-hmm. and commonplace to you. And, you know, like if you don't do that extra work to figure out if that's going to actually resonate in a market, if it's in a language that makes sense for the people that are going to get there, um, you, you just run the risk of doing that. I think where you're all of a sudden you have a whole lot of copy that doesn't really help anybody understand what you do unless they've spent, you know, three or four phone calls with one of your reps and they've already had some of this like easy conversation about like, what does it mean to harmonize a data set? Right. Like that's one from our example that was Mm -hmm. all over our old website. And like, what does that mean? Actually, it's just a word that we use internally all the time. So it's not even jargon. It's just like a term that Mm -hmm. we had to brand and we would use it a lot and nobody knew what we were talking about. Um, And I think those types of things are, are, really common it, you know mm-hmm. pick your industry pick your company pick your problem that you work on it's so easy to just start using that language and skip that step where you're asking yourself does anybody know what we're talking about when we say this i think that that is a great question to ask yourself and even yeah. internalize as a team i think you don't you look at these companies and you're like i think if anyone's listening to this they probably know that this is an issue yet we keep falling into this trap of being it's tough for me to articulate this, but I think it's like, we're so engrossed in our product or we're so engrossed in our company and we're looking at everything through a magnifying glass that we can't step back and explain the big picture to someone because they're not looking at it through a magnifying glass like you are. And by someone, I mean our buyers, right? And I see this all the time. Have there been some other ways that you found that have helped you take that step back to be like, wow, okay, we could really give a high level explanation here that resounds with someone stumbling across our website for the first time. Yeah. Well, I mean like the, a really easy thing you can do is just to get outside eyes on -hmm. what you're doing. You know, like when, when we're writing copy for things like this, we're often going to friends and family Mm -hmm. and like, Hey, go read this page. Does it make sense to you? Um, hopefully you've got some people like that around you, but maybe even some partners, you know, that are sort of in the space, sort of not in the space, but, you know, wouldn't be as uh, close to the, to the work as you are that can help Mm -hmm. kind of gut check some of that. I mean, something that we did more, more recently that was really helpful was we, we did some like journey mapping and started to really ask ourselves like, okay, what kind of, what kind of, problem awareness is this, you know, like, does our audience have for what mm-hmm. we're talking about? And, and particularly B2B SaaS technical spaces, I think it's, um, it's easy to assume in the same way that it's easy to assume language. It's easy to assume that everyone agrees with a logical premise that underwrites your value prop, right? So mm-hmm. like, for example, our mission is to democratize data and we're talking about community data specifically. And so we write a lot of really great copy about why community data uh, is valuable, but we never really asked ourselves, 
do, does our market, do our buyers know what community data is when we say community data? Do they mm -hmm. also agree that is a thing that is valuable? And if not, how do we start to create that shared language so that we can have a conversation about it? Because at the end of the day, like the more, the more technical, the more niche, the more, um, you know, uh, complicated what you do is, the more likely it is that you're going to have to invent this language with words like harmonize or whatever else. And you got to figure out a way to make that real. You've got to figure out a way to contextualize that in a language that makes sense and make sure that it's actually a problem that people are feeling, you know, like, do you feel like your website is going to be an inbound vehicle for you? And if so, are you writing to address these topics for SEO or are you delivering it directly? You know, just getting really, really clear with what you want your website to do and where you think you're going to find people in their journey. I think it's just a helpful exercise as you're writing too. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, a couple of different ways to do it, but usually a whiteboard is the easiest one. You just scribble until it makes sense. Another thing I would add is, I mean, you pretty much are saying this, but it's talking to customers. And it seems like the most obvious thing to do is always right in front of us as marketers, but we always tend to overcomplicate it for whatever reason. And when you're saying like these terms, right, that maybe don't resonate with your customer, you're almost talking now category creation, which yeah. might not even need to happen because maybe your customers don't like that. I mean, um, who do, it was Kyle Lacey, I think we had on the podcast a few weeks ago and he said, look, I have nothing against category creation, but like when the early days in Lessonly, we were trying to say, um, I think it was um, something learning, right? Was the category yep. they were trying to create and their customers, yep. like it didn't, it like flopped and no one listened to it. And that's not the language they used or even wanted to use. So they just yeah. let it go. And I think that people need to look at their website, the messaging in particular, the same way, like, is this resonating with them? Is this something they're buying into? Is this like something people are excited about? Is this job titles now? Um, or is this something that like flopped? And then you need to change and listen to the language that they're actually using. Right. Yeah. Huge part of it. Right. Like I think we've all been using the category creation playbook mm -hmm. for the last five years. Like there, there's something about it that's very sexy and everyone feels like that's the way to win. And there are so many really, really visible examples of brands doing that and succeeding, you know, but that's a great point. Like mm -hmm. at, at the end of the day, when you go sit in the boardroom, are they going to care if you're creating a category? Not unless that comes with, you know, a revenue multiple <laughs> that mm -hmm. is going to make it worth doing. Uh, and yeah, if you're not going to connect with your customers on it, that's, uh, mm -hmm. you're not going to be very happy with your results. Um, you mentioned that you like having like a group of people around you that you can bounce ideas off of, especially in the messaging um, yeah. space. Um, what would you say? Because I, I actually go back and forth on this. So I'm like, your website, if a seven-year-old were to read it, and obviously this is an example, they should understand what you do. And then I go mm. back and I'm like, well, there are some like technical things. Like, what about if this is very like probably uncommon, but what about if someone doesn't, my ideal buyer knows what web development is, right? But mm -hmm. maybe someone reading it doesn't, so they might not understand the page. So I guess it goes back to like, could your ideal buyer understand what you're saying? And is this the lingo they use? What would you do in, in that case? Are you still trying to be like, no, it should be for everybody or are you still catering it toward the buyer as well? So for us, what really, that's a really, really interesting question because 
initially when when we were developing the brand for my sidewalk it was a very monolithic thing we had like one product and a, and a few uh sort of verticalized solutions underneath it and some of those buyers were super technical some of those buyers were not and so we were trying to develop this message that was actually just not very good at talking to either of them <laughs> right like so when we would go into these technical conversations they would uh, it, we would come across as maybe a little bit too informal, maybe a little bit young and underbaked as a product. And then we would go into these conversations with, with less technical audiences and we would seem like maybe we were uh, uh, talking over them uh, from a technical perspective. So we just weren't hitting the bucket, the right bucket for either one of them. And it actually informed more than just how we think about our marketing. It, it, it affected our product roadmap and our brand architecture. So we actually took that product and turned it into four products. And we said like, okay, here are these technical pieces. We know how to talk about them. So we're going to put them over here. And here are these pieces that are more about, you know, uh, making data accessible to people who aren't data experts. And we can speak to those people. And we created, a, you know, a, a better language for how we could do that so that when, when you look at our website, again, it's just like, it's a better story. Like mm -hmm. you're going to self-identify with whichever one of those types of users you are, and you're going to find your way to the product that's going to make sense to you. And hopefully we're talking to you in a way that makes sense. So on like the technical buyer standpoint, I'm bouncing ideas off of data scientists. I'm bouncing ideas off of like chief data officers at foundations down the street. I'm like, Hey, does this sound like what you want to hear when you're thinking about buying data? Uh, and if they're saying no, then I need to change it. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. when I'm talking about, you know, making data sets available for download for, say, a city manager, I'm not going to talk about, like, uh, you know, uh, point-attributed um, uh, weighted block apportionment, those types of things that matter to these people. But, like, a city manager doesn't care about that. Mm -hmm. What he's going to care about is, like, hey – what can I learn about the spaces and places that the people in my community care about and what is structurally determining how their life is. So that's a story over here and the story over here is totally different. And all of that came from, in a way, trying to rework on the website where we were mm -hmm. saying, Hey, this is not working. We're not, we're not helping these people and we're not helping these people. And what does that mean for us as a brand and for what we sell? Um, so I guess to answer your questions, it's a little bit of both. And you have yeah. to figure out how you're going to design that journey for, for each of those audiences. Mm -hmm. You bring up um, a great point about how you guys have been simply telling a good story on your website, whether that be in those silos or those pillars um, that you guys have created. Um, and you actually haven't, you mentioned this to me previously, you guys haven't done anything in regards to um, optimizing for conversions or conversion optimization yeah. yet you guys yeah. are still getting inbound requests from your website because you're telling a great story um can you can you elaborate on why you think that is yeah well the easiest one is it was a pretty low bar so <laughs> like that's the easiest part to start with um but we're seeing yeah in terms of like inbound business development we're seeing quarter over quarter growth in the you know if not triple digits, very close to it. So high 80s on average for the past two years, which is how long I've been here. And 
early, early on, we did look at the website and really focus in on running some tests and figuring out how we wanted to optimize for conversion around our contact pages. We did that for a couple of quarters and just, we didn't learn anything at all uh, for a number of reasons, but for the most part, like we weren't getting a ton of traffic to begin with. Um, we didn't have, we were a young team. We didn't have great instrumentation and testing procedures set up. Uh, so it wasn't as rigorous as it should be to probably learn what you wanted to learn. And like that message structure wasn't fully baked in terms of the marketing system. So we didn't even really know what we were testing. So set that off to the side. We, we realized like, okay, this is dumb. We're, we're trying to optimize for conversion and we don't even really know what we're doing. So let's set that away. Let's focus on this brand. Let's focus on the story that we're telling and let's make sure that when somebody gets to our website, they feel like it's for them. And no matter what they do, let's help them self-identify with an outcome or a challenge or an opportunity. And so that's what we did. And that's what we've been working on for, you know, a year and a half with this whole conversation about what are the products? How do we message them? Where do they go? And yeah, so we, we've seen this growth and we haven't seen a massive change in our traffic numbers either because we're not doing a ton of content development right now. We're a very direct sales driven business at this point, but we're seeing that continued growth in inbound business development. And it has to be, I think, because we're telling a story that makes sense to people now in a way that they can understand it. Would you say that if you were to start with story and focus on it, um, should you down the road optimize for conversions? I mean, maybe you're not to that step yet, or should you just punt it and be like, well, the story is working. Let's just keep, you know, telling that story. Yeah. That's the, that's for the reunion reunion tour. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> right now. I mean, right now we're going to punt it. I think yeah. that there's, there's a good case for investing in that work, but probably only, <laughs> only when you start to plateau or slow down. Right. I mean, like mm -hmm. in this, in this business, there's so much work to be done that you got to pick your battles. Mm -hmm. And, and for us, we've reframed the website as uh, less of a performance marketing tool and more of a brand <clears throat> marketing tool at this point, which is useful for us in conversations internally too, just to say, like, if we're going to invest in any sort of testing, it's going to be message testing and it's not going to be driven, you know, by a whole lot of deep thought when it comes to interaction or interface design or anything like that. It's going to be maybe dynamic content blocks on an idea, throwing a couple of landers out there that might test a couple of headlines, you know, things like that that are more focused on continuing to refine a message and less about whether or not they're converting for us. Anyway, I think that long-term as we see the maturity of these new products that we've launched grow, particularly the ones that are closer to a turnkey solution, we're going to talk about conversion optimization a lot more because the hope is that we can turn those into little to no service type offerings. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's when that stuff, I think it's really, really important is, you know, how can you make sure that people are having the experience learning what they need to learn uh, without human intervention? And that has a lot to do with how you design and optimize for that. But right now we're, we're not there right now. Mm -hmm. We're just sort of like fielding the requests as they come and then um, 
being thankful for it. Yeah. Well, I think a, a big part of marketing and this shows maturity in a marketer, and obviously you're exemplifying this is knowing what to focus on right now. And also knowing like what to say no to and being okay with that, even though, you know, it's a great idea. For example, we could be posting TikTok videos every week, right? On TikTok, but like our yeah. buyers aren't on TikTok. Maybe they are a little bit, but it, things are working somewhere else. And you have to be patient with that, even though other companies might be doing X. Um, do you agree with that? Totally. It's a good callback to the shiny objects episode from mm -hmm. whichever one it was a hundred, hundred to look that up. <laughs> we'll look it up. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, you have to, you know, and, and internally too, that's where you get the most pressure for this stuff. You know, one of your coworkers or your CEO will see something they'll be like, well, we should do that. Like, mm -hmm. Well, okay, we can do that, but, um, let's, let's talk about the stack rank of priorities here. And like, you know, how does that fit into how you see the next quarter? <laughs> because at the end of the day, in the, I, feel like every field is this way, but I'll say it because this is a podcast for marketers. I feel like in marketing, there's never a shortage of things that you can do or try or experiment with. And that to me is like the core of a shiny object is um, having all of that opportunity can be a massive distraction for you if you're not mm -hmm. prepared to, to keep your eyes on the prize for whatever it is that you're trying to do in that quarter or that period or whatever it is. And so it does take a little bit of I guess the word is a little bit of um, stamina to yeah. keep that focus right as a team because it's just easy to get distracted and pulled in those directions, particularly when you see success, right? Like, so mm -hmm. we're seeing a lot of inbound business growth for us. So the, the temptation is to say, okay, let's dig in and figure out why, mm -hmm. you know, and let's figure out how we can do this even better. And I'm not saying we won't have that conversation in the next quarter, but right now it's sort of like, okay, team, put the blinders on, you know, we've got, we got to tie up all of this, go to market packaging over here for these products. We've got to go get the event calendar for next year done. Like mm -hmm. we got a bucket of work that we need to get through. And that's a good question for next quarter <laughs> or maybe the quarter after. Yeah. Put it on the issues list for the right. next time you guys meet to get some, some quarterly things knocked out. <laughs> That's right. Put it on the, put it in the icebox on the roadmap. We'll get to it. <laughs> you know, so I looked it up, you were on episode 120 and I actually didn't realize that this is what we talked about was avoiding the shiny object syndrome as a marketer. Um, yeah. That was a great conversation. Yeah, What's it's that? really good to know that it's good to know that I'm consistent. Uh, apparently you are. I didn't realize you were that consistent. So that's awesome. <laughs> um, 120, yeah. if you guys want to go back and listen to it, I've actually never looked something up uh, while on a podcast, so I'm pretty proud of myself for multitasking, but, um, Man, we're checking a lot of, we're checking a lot checking, of, boxes. we are, we are. Um, so going back to the messaging, <clears throat> excuse me, going back to the messaging, um, do you find yourself continually refining the story or has it been set it and I don't forget it is such a, uh, a harsh word, but has that been what it's been or no? No, it's never done. It's mm -hmm. never done. You're always refining a little bit. And, Luckily for us, <clears throat> let me qualify that a bit. Uh, the, the story, right? When you mm -hmm. think about umbrella messaging, hasn't changed. We said it, you know, about a year ago. We feel good about it. And strategically, I don't want that to change, mm -hmm. right? I want that to, I want people to feel that consistency and that stability from us in the story. But 
we work in a lot of industries, right? If you're a data company, you know, I, I don't like this analogy. The whole idea that data is the new oil. It's a good one though. Everybody's buying data mm-hmm. and we're continually seeing that our opportunity branches, right? So we're verticalized in a lot of industries and within those industries. So we have a lot of opportunity for us to message test on the story, but just contextualizing it for a new audience, right? So if our mission is to democratize data, you know, like the the proto elevator pitch there is we'll walk into a room and say, hey, we have the best community data library on the planet. Insert whatever adjective that you want for best. And, um, and we build tools to make it easy for you to take advantage of it in the way that makes the most sense for you. And so we get a lot of opportunity within each one of the industries that we work in to say, okay, well, what, what's that sound like when you're talking to a real estate developer in the community development space? And what does that sound like when you're talking to a public housing director, you know, and what does that sound like when you're talking to a a health system hospital network? And Mm so, so there's a lot of that message testing that the website can facilitate for us because we can, you know, deliver that kind of stuff in the journey in a targeted way and run those sort of tiny experiments. Right. So like, we'll go to a trade show and we'll, take our story, we'll break it down for this particular audience, pick the products that we think make the most sense, build some collateral around it, and then we'll see how two or three versions of that page do uh, mm-hmm. with that audience. And that's a, much, that's a much better experiment to run for a company like us than say like, you know, A-B testing a button placement or uh, a CTA. Like at the end of the day, the, I just want to know if what we're saying makes sense to them and if it's going to resonate. And if so, that's what we're going to do at the next trade show. And that's what we're going to put, you know, when we build that page on our website for that particular industry, that's what it's going to sound like. And so like, that's the kind of testing that we do at this point is just sort of like very targeted, but high level sort of almost language really testing. So the story doesn't change, but it's Mm -hmm. like, how do you make it make sense for what this group of people is doing? Yeah, that that does make a lot of sense because your story can be one thing, but how do you in, how do you explain that story to someone where they can interpret it clearly? And I think that the way you guys are doing this is getting you way more positive signals than if you were to like you said move around a CTA button, right? Yeah, you might get a percentage more of a um, conversion through that page, but I think like look right now it is the message and the story that's working for you. So why not continue to iterate on that? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. There's going to be time for that work. Mm-hmm. Like at some point we're going to have to do yeah. that work, but luckily we're not there yet. I guess, mm-hmm. well, I don't know if luckily is the right word. Luckily for me, cause I don't want to do it right now. I'm having more <laughs> fun doing this. No, I get it. Um, so a question for you is how do we talk about our products and our website? in a way that that makes people understand because there's a fine line um both what we do and make them know it's for them because in that we also want to tell some like technical things and as marketers and as a company like i get it we're excited about what we're offering we're excited about what we can provide but where's the line between making sure that we're also telling them what we do and how it's for them yeah I think a big part of it is 
some of the stuff we've already touched on, like go talk to your customers, mm-hmm. start to internalize their language a bit. Um, you know, um, use case is important when you're thinking about specific audience groups, like understanding how they're going to use your product and what success looks like. But I think even more important when you talk about channels like a website that are pretty high up, right? Like they're pretty top of funnel and usually pretty awareness driven. We're not talking about like conversion landers. The biggest challenge that we had and have been navigating for, you know, the past two years is when you work in a lot of different industries and have sort of these tailor-made solutions, it gets really, really noisy on these top of funnel channels. You know, like you might have a page, uh, you know, write a blog post where it's like, hey, here's how we help you uh, shave three seconds off of your turnout time if you're a fire department. Mm-hmm. And then the, the next page is like, hey, here's how we help you uh, integrate disease surveillance data with your uh, social determinants data. And when you're looking at that, when you zoom out, you're like, oh my goodness, what does this company do? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, so for us, we went on this pretty, I, I would call it like a vision quest <laughs> where <laughs> we talked to a lot of customers and we asked them to tell us in their words, like what, what they've been able to achieve by working with us. And then we put them all basically on a table and we started to bucket them together. And we started to say, these sound the same. These sound the same. Uh, and we, we just kind of workshopped it as a team then to say like, okay, no matter what you do with our tools, no matter what industry you work in, here are the things that you know that you'll be able to achieve if you work with us. And we created what we call an outcomes framework then where they're like, here are the six outcomes you are guaranteed to get if you partner with us and you're successful. And that's what we used to start plugging back into the messaging so that when you talk about those things at the top of the funnel, no matter if you're a, you know, a fire chief, uh, a hospital director, public health director, uh, a chief data officer at a, you know, a nonprofit, whatever it is that you do, you're going to look at those things and you're going to say, okay, I understand the value of that. And I can start to make a connection between that outcome and what I'm trying to do. So you can start to self-identify. And that's what it was for us. It was like creating the shared language that was not tied to an industry or a use case. It's, it's about talking about why community data is valuable and powerful and useful for whatever you want to do. And then giving people the opportunity to self-identify with that and giving them the language to use. Mm-hmm. I think that's genius how you guys did that. Um, and we're, you and I are hundred percent aligned on like the reason behind it is because you, for example, you guys are in a way, not a hundred percent industry agnostic, but like you have a lot of different people coming to your website from different mm-hmm. walks. Right. Well, I guess maybe that's why it's called my sidewalk, but no, <laughs> but, um, yeah. anyway, so you have to have this high level explanation of how you're going to make all of these people, all of these different buyers, all of these different industries lives better. And that's exactly what you guys did. Um, that, I love that formula. That's awesome. Yeah, steal it. Anyone listening, steal it. It's perfect or perfect for us. I don't know. Hopefully yeah. it's good for you too. But yeah. it, I, liked, I liked the workflow because it forced us you know, to go out and talk to the people who are using the tool. So we got the language from them. So when we're working on that industry level stuff, we're saying, okay, these are the words that we need to use. Mm-hmm. You know? But then we can abstract that higher and higher and up to where... 
hopefully everybody can identify with it. Mm -hmm. Um, so a closing question for you, if, if you could just sum it all up to tell us like why we should be focusing on story on the messaging side of our website over like the conversions and stuffing it with, I know we didn't talk about it, but even SEO, like Mm -hmm. why do you lean toward the story side? I mean, everybody's business is different. I think for us, in, in a, a fairly long sales cycle B2B environment, um, there's nothing that we're selling that isn't going to require a conversation with us. Mm-hmm. And so for us, it makes a ton of sense that we would make sure and optimize for sales velocity after you meet us, right? So like, I want, I want people that come to our website to want to have a conversation with us or maybe a month down the road when they're ready to have a conversation with us, they're that much, uh, that, that much more familiar with us and what we can do for them. And, you know, that's going to shave 30, 60 days off of an already pretty long, uh, sales cycle for us. So like that has real tangible impact on our business model. Right. Um, I can't remember who said it, but I like it. Maybe it was Dave Gerhardt. I, I don't know, but like, the idea that your website is the only salesperson that you have that's working 24 seven, I think is a really good way to think about that in B2B mm-hmm. because it's, it's telling it's that first discovering qualification call. If you mm-hmm. do it right, you know, it's one or two weeks off of your sales cycle. If you do it right, it's more inbound opportunities. So a, a lower cost per lead, like it's, it's prospecting for you, right. Mm-hmm. If you do it right. Yeah. Um, and the method of delivery, how you get that in front of people is a valid question, right? Like It's like, but when do you focus on it? Like get the story right so that when you do have the traffic, you're not losing them. You're taking advantage of them and you're, you're making a tangible impact on your, on your business model. I guess that's the case that I would make. Yeah. I mean, the whole goal would be that when someone does click the get a demo button or that they're going to reach out to sales, they they have done their due diligence with the content that you yeah. provided. They know clearly what you do, clearly the value that you provide with your product all through your website. And even before that, there's a combination of different marketing that needs to be done, but they should be ready and excited to do the purchase. Hopefully not even shopping around. Yeah. Like that's the ultimate goal right there. And I think right. that you can achieve that by really being intentional about what you're putting in front of them. Absolutely. That's the hope. Right. Yeah. I mean, that is the hope is that when you start having those conversations, people know what they're getting into. You, like, you know, for sure, like that's a good litmus test. If your AEs or whoever's selling your product in a B2B world is having a lot of drop off from an inbound mm-hmm. request to an opened opportunity, that's a pretty good sign that you probably need to take a look at what you're putting in front of people on those inbound channels. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right. Um, yeah. So I don't remember if we did this the first time you were on the show, but we're trying something semi-new where we give you the opportunity for the last few minutes here or so to become the podcast host in a way. So what I'll do is I'll hand the mic over to you. And if you have any questions for me, um, now's the time to shoot away. Yeah. Yeah. I like this. I'm going to be drunk with power. (laughs) Uh, I mean, Sam, you, you do a lot of websites for a lot of different brands. Like what, what's the biggest mistake that you see? brands making when it comes to either rebuilding a site or building the first one that they're doing. 
what would you call out as the most common thing that you have to coach people on? So I would not call us messaging experts by any means, right? So we do the development, we do the design for these companies, but for some reason, they still always seem to choke themselves up on the message. Even companies that we don't work with, I just seek, I, we're, we already just talked about it. They don't know how to explain what they do because they're so close and so engrossed with their product or their company that they struggle to get it on paper. Um, and I think the biggest question, just like we kick this off, is people still ask, well, what do you guys do? And that's the biggest mistake that we see on websites. Um, so we like to tell people above the fold, at least deeper into the website, you can explain some, some deeper details, but you need to tell people what you do, how you'll make their life better slash what value you provide and then how to buy from you. Because that is the, the key spot on your website. They're going to be landing. They've probably been seeing a lot of your marketing already. Maybe they're actually ready to buy when they come to your website for the first time, because they've been mm -hmm. seeing what you've been doing in, uh, organic social channels. Maybe they've been following you on YouTube or whatever other marketing you have going on. And they're like, I'm ready to take the next step. And they're there to kind of get the push, like the final 10% of the way. And if your website doesn't deliver on that, then you're in trouble because you've worked so hard to get them to this point that they get to your website. They think they know what you do and then they get there and they're like, well, actually now I don't. And a good example of this, um, this is not to like slam gong by any means, but I can't remember if I was telling you about this, but they just released their new website and I know what gong does, but if someone were to go to their website and immediately just read like, but without scrolling, they wouldn't know that it's just a software that scrapes emails and uh, calls. I think that's pretty much what they do and then turns it into sales data. Mm -hmm. I mean, that would be so simple for people to say, but it seems like they've gotten too engrossed in what they're doing that they're just trying to get too creative as a marketing team. And like, I don't think their message is very clear anymore. I used to think it was, you know, a really good job. And maybe that's just something that needs to be refined on their end. Um, but that's an example right now. Maybe I don't think they've changed it, but uh, might be something worth looking at. I want to say Gong, didn't they just, I, I think they just rebranded like last week. They did. So. That's what I went and looked. I was like, <laughs> oh, let's go take a look at this. And I read their, their hero section and mm -hmm. If I was going to their website for the first time and I had been seeing them on social media and be like, this is a cool company, let's check out what they do. I couldn't tell you, I wouldn't be able to figure it out. And yeah. what's interesting is if you scroll down a couple of paragraphs, they have a killer like description of like very clear and punchy of like what they actually do. I'm like, yeah. see, this is what should be pulled up immediately. So people understand and grasp right off the bat. And I think they just overthought it, to be honest. It's really easy, don't you think, for particularly companies that uh, are really mission driven to overcook that mission mm -hmm. early on up front. Yeah. Like, uh, it, and that could be really highfalutin, I guess, right? Where like you no longer know exactly what you're getting into. You're like, well, hang on a second. What is, I don't even know what, what the uh, Kong mission is anymore because I think it changed. I think that's why they rebranded. Yeah. But, but, you know, like they're a great example of, <laughs> like taking that conversational intelligence as a category creation idea mm -hmm. and getting pretty far with it, obviously. And then it's funny to hear that maybe that has not gone it, so well. It's almost, it's almost like muddy water now. It's like murky yeah. and it's interesting. And it, I think honestly, the same thing kind of happened to drift. I loved their early, um, no more forms. The MQL is dead conversational marketing yep. campaign. 
and I got it. I'm like, oh, this is a great way to talk, talk about a chat bot. And now mm-hmm. the, the waters have muddied again. And you go to see what it's like. I, I can't even remember the category. It doesn't even click with me. I guess they changed it or their, their messaging is different on their website. And it just isn't what I thought it was or what it was before. And I think that as these companies evolve, I think that is an issue that we see a lot is like, they just get too close and they try to get overly creative with mm. whether it's a category or their messaging and like, it just doesn't resound anymore. Just stick to like what is punchy and what has worked. And obviously you need to refine stuff, but like, just be careful, I guess, is the, the yeah. advice I would give. Yeah. That's like, that's a really good cautionary tale. And it's uh, you wonder how much of that is like internal pressure to, to always continue to mm-hmm. grow Probably. As a brand and reinvent yourself. Yeah. Cause you're like but the you unicorn can... that's paved the way. Right. I mean, right. I would consider gong. I would consider drift that as well. And it's like yeah. a pressure is, it's a great way to put it not only internally, but externally, like you have to live up to like this huge brand name. That's going to come out with like the, the greatest thing when it comes to marketing. Yeah. And it, sometimes you just have the pressure and try a little too hard and everyone in the, the marketing circle in your team understands what you're talking about. But then you have people on the outside, like, man, can we just have stuck with what you guys were doing? That makes way more sense, but maybe it's just yeah. me. I don't know. I'd, I'd be curious to hear some feedback on that from people. Yeah. That'll be a good one for the chat. Uh, um, it brings up another question though, that I have mm-hmm. for you, which I think is a good one. How do you, I mean, we talked a little bit about how I'm deciding whether I need to focus on messaging or if I need to focus on, you know, testing for conversion, how do you help your clients understand what they should be focusing on when they're working on their website? Like, how do you say, help them diagnose, say, this feels like a messaging issue, or this feels like a conversion optimization issue or whatever else it might be. That's a great question. Um, again, I wouldn't say we're pros at like the messaging or the conversion side, but what's mm-hmm. nice is we can give the feedback. Um, and I think that a lot of times it really is a messaging issue um, where they just feel like they need to regurgitate way too much on their website. Um, and then sometimes it's simply like we can give them the feedback of, you know, I, maybe if you were to change this CTA to something a little bit more clear, like simply get a demo. Um, like we're on a web, we're working on a website right now where I would say the CTAs are a little bit all over the map and it's been on, you know, um, on my mind to be like, Hey, let's, let's kind of make these uniform and help them possibly with the conversion conversion side of things. Um, with us, it's honestly more of like a cherry on top than anything. Um, just an added, like, Hey, at least you have someone in your corner that Mm -hmm. can a developer in your corner that can kind of have an eye for this as a marketer. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't say we run into it too much, to be honest. I think it's more of like, we see it and we just kind of give some advice and some feedback, but, um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's good. I mean, I ask because I feel like that's the question that we run into all the time. It's Mm -hmm. like when we're, whenever we decide to take on a chunk of work that is related to the website, if I feel like that's the first question we're asking ourselves is like, okay, well, what are, what are we trying to work on right now? Is this a, yeah. a question of messaging or are we trying to just get more conversions on this page? I would, so going back to the, how you phrase that, I mean, I would answer like messaging hundred um, yeah. percent. Yeah. I guess when you frame it that way, I would say, I, I don't have an example of when that's happened, but if someone said like, if we had to choose between the two, or what should be a focus, I would 100% go with messaging. Because at the end of the day, words sell. And it doesn't matter how well 
um, your, your website is optimized for conversion. If, if people don't understand your message, you're, that's irrelevant. Um, yep. so I would hundred percent focus on the content and the story you're telling way before, way before you ever start digging into the conversions and where does the CTA go and how far are people scrolling on this page? That's perfect. That's the perfect answer for me to drop the mic and pat myself on the back <laughs> for being a great podcast host Look at you and, and making great decisions about how to work on our website. I wouldn't do it any differently. I would not do it any different. That's why I was really excited to talk about this because I'm, it's funny. Again, we do like web development. That's pretty, that's all we do, right? We don't help people with their messaging. We give them feedback and stuff like that. But it's funny how passionate I am about seeing what companies are doing wrong with it. Um, I'm not, I hate copywriting personally, so it would never be really something that we do to help people with, but it is fun to like, at least give people the input. And like from someone who doesn't do either, it's a pretty good um, sign to know like, oh, okay, this is pretty credible that at least story has some, some good footing here when it comes to what we should, should be focusing on. Yeah. I mean, like if nothing else for any marketer listening to the show, like you always hear people say, we well, got to invest in brand, but that's mm-hmm. such an empty platitude. Like, yeah. what does that mean? Mm-hmm. You know, it, here's a really good example of what that means. It's like, okay are you telling a good story about your brand on the website? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if not use that as a tangible thing to, to try and quantify what you mean when you want to go talk to your CEO or whatever else about um, investing in brand mm-hmm. and hopefully it will pay dividends for you. Like it has for us. Yeah, absolutely. Right, man. Well, this has been a pretty killer uh, reunion tour episode. This is uh-huh. awesome having you back on. So if you didn't remember what episode it was, it was episode one twenty was the first time Adam was on the show. So definitely go give that a listen if you haven't yet. Um, and I don't know what episode this is going to be next few weeks. It should come out, but It'll Adam, be one of them. yeah, it's going to be one of them, 160, 170, somewhere up there. But Adam, again, thanks so much for being here on the show, man. Can you close us out by sharing uh, where we can find out more of you, uh, you know, social media, wherever you might hang out? Yeah. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn, uh, post relatively frequently there. So, uh, Gosh, I don't remember what my profile name is. I'll have to send that out in post. Uh, I think it's just Adam Runner. Maybe not. That sounds, I think it's Adam Runner. Right. Yeah. That sounds right. <laughs> That'd be a good one to pick. There you uh, go. <laughs> I'm on I'm on Twitter at Damn Runner, D-A-M-R-U-N-N-E-R. Mm-hmm. I always say the joke that the at isn't silent. Um, <laughs> and That's funny. You can follow my sidewalk. We're my sidewalk HQ on all the channels as well. So check us out. Mm-hmm. And then uh, mysidewalk.com, if you want to see Adam's work, that would be a good uh, place for people to land too, to see what's been going on with the story side of things. So um, Adam, thanks again, man. This was a lot of fun. I appreciate being here. I love it. Thanks, Sam. Thanks, Sam.